welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game in Life Sciences, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in a digital world to improve health outcomes and enhance global health with a focus on patients and caregivers. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I always tell you you're in the right place. and You know you are. It's just a fact. So let's see what the word on the street is today. The buzz. I have a little research here from Deloitte. Interestingly enough, one of our panelists is from Deloitte, but that's just pure coincidence. According to Deloitte, the healthcare industry is planning the most aggressive deployments of blockchain, with 35% of health and life sciences planning to deploy blockchain by 2018. 28% of respondents across all industries said they'd already invested $5 million or more, while 10% have invested $10 million or more in a blockchain. And that's a quote from Vala Afshar, Chief Digital Evangelist for Salesforce and the author author of The Pursuit of Social Business Excellence and the co-host of Disrupt TV. So what are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about life sciences. That's our series. Life sciences organizations globally are indeed exploring how blockchain technology could disrupt their traditional business models and processes. How? If you know anything about blockchain, you know it will provide a platform of truth for how companies and ecosystems work with each other. So just as Internet of Things, which we fondly refer to as IoT, mobile and big data technologies mature, they are enabling industry stakeholders in life sciences to stay connected real time. So question on the table today is how will the next level of disruptive digital innovation impact the health sciences value chain. Formally, not formerly, but formally right now, the title of this episode is Blockchain Meets Life Sciences. Now what? And that's a wide open question. And that's why we have three very smart people here on the show with us to help us figure out where this is all going. Let me tell you who they are before I introduce them with their opening quotes. First up, we'll be speaking with Peter Ebert. He is a Senior Vice President of Business Development and Sales at CryptoWork Corp. That's C-R-Y-P-T-O. W-E-R-K, and he'll tell us a little later a little about what his company does. Joining him on the panel is our friend at Deloitte, our new friend, Eric Pacini, a principal with the financial services practices at Deloitte. And rounding out the panel, who else? We couldn't have a show about life sciences without the sponsor of the series. It's Joe Miles, Global VP of Life Sciences at SAP. So let's get started. Peter Ebert has sent me a quote from Walt Disney. You've heard the quote many times before, and I think it's very, very appropriate for today. By the way, Walt Walt Disney, American entrepreneur, cartoonist, animator, voice actor, film producer, prominent figure in the American animation industry and throughout the world. He and his brother Roy co-founded the Walt Disney Company. Think Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and all those wonderful icons of our childhood and future generations to come. Here is the quote Peter has selected from Walt Disney. If you can dream it, you can do it. I love the quote, Peter. I always want to crochet it on a pillow or paint it on the side of a, of a wall somewhere. How are you, Peter Ebert? Welcome to Game Changers. Thanks so much. It's awesome to be here. Um, I love this quote because it really is targeted towards the future uh, with a vision in mind that uh, in 20, 1928, when Walt came up with Mickey Mouse, nobody knew that this would happen, what we have today. And you can probably not imagine uh, your life without an experience that has been created by Disney. 
And uh, so uh, that's why I chose it, because I think it's very true uh, about blockchain as well. We just see the beginning here, and there's so much potential on the horizon. And uh, blockchain will not only be a technical uh, te a technology or a technical thing in our lives, it will impact all of our experiences. And I love this platform of truth. Uh, this, is, this is hitting the mark here, right? Thank you very much. A, a question in life science. Who is the dreamer here? I'm going to pull this apart a little bit, Peter, if you don't mind. If you can dream it, you sure. can do it. Are we talking about, and thank you, are we talking about people in the life sciences industry say, I'm dreaming of a single point of truth. I'm dreaming of a validity along the value chain. I'm dreaming <laughs> of, and they're saying, wow, there's a great Walt Disney quote about, or is it the people who invented the blockchain who were dreaming, or both? Talk to me. <laughs> Well, I hope that people in life sciences start dreaming more um, okay. about this because if you think, <laughs> because, uh, um, you know, it's not just a dream, it's the mindset of being able to dream and, and know that this is not just a dream, but it's uh, very real, it's becoming true in front of our eyes. So if you think about our lives in life sciences for a moment, right? So life science is obviously a very big area, but if you think about your life, if you go to the doctor, and uh, you, you're getting blood drawn or you, you're taking a pill uh, and you want to make sure this is really concerning your life. That's the most precious asset, if you will, that you have. You want to mm -hmm. make sure that this pill is not a counterfeit. You want to make sure that the, the uh, technology around you, uh, the devices, are not counterfeits. They are not fake. If they get a software update in the future, you want to make sure that the software update is actually what it says it is. Um, you, you think about the doctor uh, treating you or, the, or the, the people around you treating you. You want to make sure that they, they have the education, they have the skill to treat you well uh, mm -hmm. and, and correctly. Uh, you have the law uh, that, that is all around you. You want to make sure that, that these regulations are being applied to. So that's every, every touch point of blockchain that will hit our lives. Um, you can see are right then and there. So that's what I'm talking about in terms of uh, only the dream, only the sky is the limit. It will be everywhere. Thank you. I think we're dreaming along with you. Thank you very much, Peter. <laughs> thank you. For, as I like to say, thank you for indulging my inquiry and my sidebar. I appreciate that. Uh, sometimes it's fun to take the quotes apart and see how they really apply. So thank you for your thoughtful answer. And now let's go to our second guest, Eric Piscini at Deloitte Consulting. And Eric, I think we're up to about, oh, I don't know, 25 of your colleagues at Deloitte being on Game Changers radio shows, very serious this year. Mm -hmm. And we do a shout out, of course, to Carla Neal, who always is the the keeper of the tabs on, on who's appearing, and we appreciate that. So it's very nice to meet you. And Eric has selected a quote from Bill Gates. And here is the quote, of course, Bill Gates, William Bill, Henry Gates III, American business magnate, investor, author, philanthropist, co-founder of the Microsoft Corporation, along with Paul Allen. Uh, they launched Microsoft back in 1975. Is that possible? 25 and 17, do the math, that many years? It became the world's largest PC software company uh, in in 1987, Gates has a bit, was included in the Forbes list of the wealthiest people back in, in 87. As of September 2017 this year, he's the richest person in the world, estimated net worth of U.S. $84.8 billion, with a B. And in 2009, Gates and Warren Buffett founded the Giving Pledge, where they and other billionaires pledged to give at least half of their wealth to philanthropy. Very important. So here's the quote Eric has selected from the vast lore of Bill Gates. Quote, 
We always overestimate the change that will occur in the next two years and underestimate the change that will occur in the next 10. Don't let yourself be lulled into inaction. Wow, he kind of bookended that, didn't he? Eric Passini, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm well. Thank you very much for having me. We're delighted. Talk to me about the Bill Gates quote. I love it. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we've seen that many, many, many times uh, around any type of technology. And I think blockchain is pretty much the same. Is uh, We have, all of us, very high expectations of what blockchain can do. I think we have to be realistic in the in the sense that uh, it's going to take time, a little bit more time that we wish that uh, that technology is, is going to change our lives in life science and, and elsewhere. Uh, but, but, you know, a good way to look at this quote is to look back 10 years from today and you know, try to put yourself 10 years ago and try to imagine what's possible today. And, and if you were able to imagine that 10 years ago, I don't think any one of us were able to do that. Maybe, maybe sci-fi movie writers mm-hmm. were able to do that. But uh, I think that's a very, uh, very telling quote in, in my mind. It, it actually is, and, and let's reference this a little bit, Eric, if you don't mind, to, to the, uh, the up-and-coming technology called blockchain, which has been around for a few years. So do you think that it was overestimated in the beginning? Yeah, it's going to change the world. Everybody will be using it in the next 10 minutes. Blockchain will be, people talk about it, chocolate, vanilla ice cream, and we got to have blockchain to find out where it came from. And yeah, my car, I want to see how many people handled it along the, the construction, the development value chain, the assembly line. Uh, do you think that it was overestimated in the beginning? and now it's coming into being. Any uh, historical reference to that? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, like, like, any, like any new technology, really, uh, we always overestimate the, uh, the, the impact in the short term. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think what's interesting to me is it, it really depends on the industry. It really depends on the, the specific use cases. In some instances, uh, it's already here. In some instances, we are just at the very beginning of the journey. Um, what, what's interesting to me is in the next two years, we'll talk about blockchain. And 10 years from, from, from today, we will not talk about blockchain anymore because blockchain will be embedded into everything that we do. I think that's another way to look at the two-year and 10-year time frame. Yes, thank you very, very much. Yes, we, we, I think we talked a few years ago, maybe not on Game Changers, about email would just become mail. I don't think that ever really happened because we still have snail mail, sort of, kind of, here in the, at least here in the United States. People still want to put a stamp on something and put paper in an envelope and have it go some archaic way to get from point A to point B. Uh, yeah, there have been a lot of talks about things morphing into the normal vocabulary as the newness of certain innovations becomes just becomes the status quo. Thank you, Eric, for your thoughtful yeah. response. And now, Mr. Joe Miles, Global VP of Life Sciences at SAP, has Joe is waxing very literature, literary today. He sent us a quote from William Shakespeare. Uh, Joe, I don't know if you know this, but there is a Twitter handle called Daily Shakes, S-H-A-K-E-S, Shakes for Shakespeare, and that's where he his quotes show up. So uh, Shakespeare, of course, uh, 1564 to 1616, English poet, playwright, actor, widely regarded it is the greatest writer in the English language and the world's preeminent dramatist, fondly known as English na- England's national poet, the Bard of Avon. Anybody keeping track? He wrote about 38 plays, 154 sonnets, two long narrative poems, and some verses. His plays have been translated into every major living language and are performed more than any other playwright's plays. So there, he's still with us. Here's the quote Joe has selected. Love all, but trust a few. Joe, you really got to help me out with this one. Welcome, Joe Miles. How are you? 
I'm doing fine, Bonnie. Always, a, always good to, to talk to you. Um, I, you know, I, I was looking for a different kind of quote, um, knowing that, uh, I mean, I think if you read some of the hype, and there is considerable hype on blockchain, it can do anything, it will solve everything. Uh, the world's woes will be, you know, solved by blockchain. And and although we are at a pretty big hype, one of the there are there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of interest I think from life sciences and from a lot of the customers and uh, partners we talk to, um, and trust is one of those elements, right? So, so there's a number of elements in which I think blockchain will be very disruptive. But if we think about the level of digitalization that's going on, and we think about the complexity that uh, that presents to the individual person um, from, a, from a data perspective and your ability to control all of this digital data around you and how do you manage that and how do you ensure that, you're, um, that the right people are seeing your health data but not the wrong people um, or people you don't want them to see and, and how do you manage across all of the different constituents that you would deal with on a daily basis, how do you do that? So trust becomes really, a really important concept within that and blockchain I think is one of the many things that it is, has a capability of doing is to really help simplify and automate the issue of trust and to ensure that the appropriate people are seeing your information or your business's information um, and, and that they're doing so in a way that is productive, that is efficient, um, and that really drives towards uh, a much better outcome that, uh, that for, all, for all parties um, you know, engaged around the process. And that can be both at a personal level, and I think obviously that can be both very much at a, at a business level as well. But it's clearly one of the, one of the key areas of, uh, of disruption that I think it will, it will provide us uh, going forward. Thank you very much, Joe. And I have a little pop quiz. Uh, interestingly enough, well, let's see, Bill Gates is still with us. Uh, Walt Disney passed away in 1966, just a few years ago, obviously. And William Shakespeare passed away in 1616. And I looked up their followers on Twitter. I thought that would be an interesting little piece of modern social lore. And just before we went on the air, I gave my three panelists a pop quiz. I will not do it to the audience because you don't email me, so I won't know what your answers are. But looking at who has the most followers from at Walt Disney. Disney Daily to at Bill Gates to at Daily Shakes, which is where they seem to aggregate and promote Shakespeare's quotes. It turns out that, of course, no surprise, Bill Gates has the most 40.4 million with an M followers, followed by, this may be a shock, William Shakespeare at Daily Shakes, 39.1 thousand followers, followed by, in a distant number, 13.7 thousand for Walt Disney. So Shakespeare is indeed alive and well. And Mickey Mouse, maybe a close third. I don't know. We'll have to figure that one out. So I want to circle around the table. A little bit of trivia. That's what we love about Game Changers. Joe, we never know what we're going to discover on Game Changers. Right, Joe Miles? Absolutely. I mean, I live in Chicago where, where a lot of uh, voters can be passed away. Uh, I never knew that you can tweet from the grave. Uh, I know you can vote from the grave, but I didn't think you could tweet from the grave. So. <laughs> Excuse me. Thank you, Joe. Now, and, and yes, but, but, it, yeah, I think I think it would be interesting to know who is actually following who. Uh, is, is Bill Gates following Shakespeare or, or the other way around? That would be interesting, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is good. This is really good. I have to get back on track here. Peter Ebert at Christo, Crypto Work, I have three questions for you. Number one, where are you calling from today? In general, what part of the world? Number two, what's in your cup today or what would you rather be drinking that's your favorite drink in the whole world? And if you want to tell us a little story. And number three, give us a 60-second overview of what Crypto Work does and is about, please. Peter Ebert, you're all yours. Yeah, thank you. So I'm in California, so it's very early. I'm working on my first uh, 
organic fair trade latte. And, um, and maybe a little story about that. What I would love to have is a blockchainified uh, latte at some point where I can actually see that it's actually organic. It's not a counterfeit. <laughs> and it's, um, it, the latte is also sourced locally, ideally, so that I know where the cows came from and where, where, what they are eating. And uh, so, so that is a little pun here intended uh, in, in, in order. I to, love it. I, um, I love it. This is fabulous. <laughs> this, this is bringing it home, Peter. This is bringing the technology <laughs> home to the level of the individual consumer, citizen, resident, whatever, whoever you are, the individual level. Where does my coffee come from? Parentheses, damn it. That is a really great application of it. We, we may never work much anymore if we're sitting around trying to figure out the blockchain provenance of everything that we own or everything we consume, but I love the idea. That, very interesting. Thank you. So tell us about your company. What do you do? Yeah, so if you think about um, uh, coffee tra- tra- track and trace and medication track and trace, you um, immediately see that this is going to turn into a big-scale thing. So if you remember the internet when it started, you probably remember the screeching sounds that your modem made when it connected, right? Um, mm-hmm. These were the a little bit older ones among us. They still know that. And so that's essentially how blockchain behaves right now. It's amazingly, um, um, uh, it's amazingly uh, powerful in terms of creating this automated trust that Joe Myers was uh, touching on, which I also think is at the core of the blockchain. But it's still very slow. Think of a modem. Uh, and uh, what we're doing at CryptoWork is accelerating it to the point of a high-speed Internet line. So really, think about an enterprise with a modem line versus a high-speed line <laughs> using blockchain. And that's, in a nutshell, what we're doing here in Redwood City in Silicon Valley. Thank you very much. And an early good morning to you. And I found an article on Daily Fintech from 2016 called Building a Better Supply Chain via, via the Blockchain. And they say, imagine a world where, before you spent a dollar on any good or service, you could at your fingertips trace the entire journey of a product. Did the distributor and transport network that delivered the coffee beans to your cafe use eco-friendly fuels Oh, my. You may argue that the answers to these questions are already being addressed, as you mentioned, Peter, through the use of certification labels like fair trade, certified organic, eco-friendly. But as consumers, we don't know so much. And there's a new blockchain startup called Provenance that says no. Interestingly enough, it is not enough. So thank you for that. I, I, Joe Miles knows I love looking up these things while we're on the air. That was very interesting. Thank you, Peter. And now Eric Piscini, our newcomer from Deloitte. We already have, it uh, looks like Carla at Deloitte tweeting that you're on the show. So thank you very much. Eric, talk to us. Where are you calling from today? And what do you love to drink? So I'm actually, I'm actually calling from New York, uh, even though I live in Atlanta. I, I have an Italian name and a French accent. I spend a lot of time in New York. <laughs> and um, I usually, when I'm in New York, I, I, I just like you know, black coffee. Uh, so not, not very uh, original, not very unique. Uh, but my, my favorite drink really is a good glass of red wine from Bordeaux, um, because that's where I was, uh, I'm from and uh, where my family on my mother's side is, actually. It as a vineyard there in, in Bordeaux, so uh, that would be my uh, drink of choice. Um, a vineyard? A vi- Wait a minute! Did you ever work in the vineyard? To- yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I'm curious. Yeah. I want to know if you ever worked in the vineyard. That's fascinating. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, and and I wanted to use the example of Peter, but 
for water because I think that's even a bigger issue than tracking the origin of your uh, milk and coffee when you're in California. But a lot of people drink water and they don't have an idea where this water is coming from and if it's safe. And we had a very recent example in Puerto Rico. And mm-hmm. I think blockchain can be an amazing uh, opportunity to fix some of those issues. Um, so, you know, P- Peter, I, I think we're on the same page here. Very interesting. Eric, uh, multi, multi-accented, multinational, multi-named Eric, I want to ask you, your family's vineyard, would you consider using blockchain to validate the provenance of the grapes, of the wine, of the bottling process? Is that something that, I don't know if it's a small or big vineyard, is that something that a family-run vineyard could do cost-effectively? Yeah, I think could do, yes. Cost-effectively is the big question, I think, today, uh, right? So with what, what we've been doing at Deloitte for the last five years is actually building business platforms on the top of blockchains. Um, and when we do those uh, design and creation of new platforms, uh, one of the key questions is not the technology as, as much anymore, but really about the business model and the return we can expect on building those platforms. So I'm not sure. I, I didn't spend enough time in the vineyard to try to do the business case for, for, for the wine industry. Um, but I tell you, it's still a very important question to ask, even though blockchain is extremely disruptive and could be very efficient to address very, very hard problems that we have today. We still have to do and have the discipline of doing a business case on those things. Um, so I, I would do it because it's, it would be a lot of fun. I, I, I don't know if we have a return yet. I'll tell you on the next show. I, well, I hope Joe Miles invites you back, Joe. We can't wait to hear what Eric says about the provenance of his wines. Eric, do you want to give us the name of the vineyard? We're willing to have you say that on the air if you'd like to share that with us. Yeah, uh, it's called Cazenave, uh, C-A-Z-E-N-A-V-E. And it's, uh, it's not a great vineyard, it's not a great wine, but it's, it's fun to be there. Well, that's very interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate that. And yeah. Joe Miles, where are Joe? You you have two very interesting colleagues here on the panel today. And Joe, you're always interesting all by yourself. So Joe, where are you today? And give me a drink that we haven't heard about from you before. Well, I'm, uh, I am would say before I start that uh, Eric will certainly always be welcome to come back. He brings a great perspective. We appreciate his attendance today. Um, I'm calling you, as I sometimes do, from uh, my home base in uh, in a very overcast and uh, typical November day in Chicago. I'm in downtown Chicago. I have a little bit of a sweeter latte uh, chocolate drink for, to, to help my wow. sweet tooth in the morning. But uh, one of the drinks, as I've mentioned before, I'm, I, although I do love a good glass of wine, I, I also enjoy, enjoy a nice pint of, uh, of beer. And last night was doing that at one of the local... Uh, the local breweries in Chicago a great has become a great microbrewery town. Uh, Revolution uh, Brewery is a is a really uh, really a wonderful uh, brew brew pub, and they're still selling their Oktoberfest uh, uh, brew. So I was indulging in a, in a few pints of Oktoberfest last night. So had a nice evening with my uh, with my family. So. That sounds very festive, even though it was already November. You can still have an Oktoberfest <laughs> in November, Joe. I'm sorry I had to say that. Very, very interesting. Joe knows me. Eric and Peter don't. They do not let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. So all I'm allowed to have is water. Not that anybody's here watching. You know, I'm in my home office, in my new home office in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, but I am having a cool, clear glass of water looking out at it. Well, it's kind of blue skies with a couple of dots of very fluffy little white clouds. And I'm guessing the temperature is going to venture up into the low 70s today here down south. So that's a good thing. 
And on that note, I'm going to say to our audience, we are talking about blockchain meets life sciences. It's a very important topic, very interesting. Blockchain is definitely disruptive, and maybe the life sciences industry, as broad as it is, is ready for that disruption. But who, what, why, when, where, and how? So the question on the table is blockchain meets life sciences. I won't say if they had a baby what it would look like, but now what? That's the most important question. We're speaking today with Peter Ebert at CryptoWork, C-R-Y-P-T-O-W-E-R-K, Corp. We're speaking with Eric Pacini, a principal at Deloitte Consulting. Shout out to our friends there. And Joe Miles at SAP. Shout out also to Michelle Schuf at SAP for helping Joe put together this wonderful panel and great topic. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be back in 90 seconds. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to still be after the break even if I have to get a blockchain to prove it. So we'll be right back, and Peter Ebert is going to start the roundtable. Aaron, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. From an integrated digital core to a digital health sciences network, SAP simplifies collaboration across the value chain to enhance global health in new and innovative ways. Changing the game in life sciences brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges and cutting-edge technologies to help you digitally transform for an improved focus on the patient and the caregiver. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top industry and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the digital economy is shaping the future of life sciences. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Changing the Game in Life Sciences, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game in Life Sciences. Yes, indeed, we are changing the game, and we're talking about a new, recently new technology called blockchain, meeting life sciences. Now what? That's a big, wide-open question, and we have three experts in the field on our panel today to help us figure it out. Peter Ebert at CryptoWork, Eric Pisini at Deloitte, and Joe Miles at SAP. I'm still Bonnie DeGram, and I promised you that before the break. We're going to start the roundtable in earnest, as my late mother used to say. She would say, is he earnest? Maybe, but he has to be sincere. We'll leave that one on the table. Peter told me the following in his notes before the show, and this is where we'll start. He said, if you think blockchain, think automated trust, think irrefutable proof, think lower cost for any transaction in the future. So, Peter, why don't we do what I love to call a level set, and let's talk about what this all means in reference to 
life sciences. Go ahead, Peter Ebert. Yeah, thank you. So when you think about blockchain, uh, it is not in a vacuum. Think of digital transformation all around us, and we are right in the middle of this revolution, really, that hits uh, enterprise and particularly also um, life sciences. And in this context, if you think about everything is turning digital, then how can you not need trust, right? So if everything is digital, everything depends on trusted data, right? And so when, when this data is... Uh, but how do you do this if you get data that uh, is coming from, increasingly coming from other parties. And they probably got at least part of this data from somebody else. So we're looking at business networks here. And uh, originally, our, uh, let's say, our traditional world has been to uh, trust a, a business partner and have certificates and what have you in terms of technology encryption. But now, how can you make sure that the data that you're actually receiving, that you're processing, that you're selling is actually accurate, is actually authentic. And that's where blockchain comes in with this uh, so-called irrefutable proof. And what that means is it's impossible to, do, to, deny, to, to deny or disprove that truth, meaning if you have a digital asset, any digital asset, and you can prove that it has been authentic, uh, then you can actually uh, infuse this irrefutable trust into your supply chain of digital data assets. And then if you, um, if you think about life sciences, where digital assets actually mean life or death, they're, they're mm-hmm. not just any old asset. They are very, very precious data that relates to your life, to my life. Then you can see the big importance of that. And in terms of the cost uh, factor of this, right now we have a lot of cost in the system and a lot of latencies in the system uh, to infuse that trust in the traditional model, and if you can automate that piece of the supply chain, the data supply chain, then you can imagine that this touches the heart of every business transaction because every business transaction depends on this trust. And the uh, final point I wanted to make is, of course, uh, you, you also need to be able to scale. Uh, and uh, Eric was touching on that the cost of blockchain is still way too high or is actually getting higher mm-hmm. depending on what blockchain you use. And so um, automating trust also means lowering the cost and uh, doing this at scale. Thank you. You put it in a really, really interesting context, the idea that, and I know you say in your notes, using blockchain, you can instantly detect a fake. If we think about this on so many levels, and you mentioned the data of our health, of our lives, is that's what we have. That's what, that's what we know. That's what we need to be verifiable. Very interesting. Thank you. I'm so excited I moved my microphone here. I bumped it. Eric Pisini at Deloitte Consulting, we'd love to have your thoughts on the very compelling information that Peter just shared. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, I think I think it's, it's very well said, Peter. What what I would maybe summarize, and it's a, a phrase that we use very often, is we say blockchain is a non-human trustee. And if you, mm-hmm. if you think of it this way, you realize very quickly that today we use a lot of trustees, a lot of intermediaries to process any type of transactions, from from payment to sharing information to voting to uh, supply chain and, and many many others. And, and if we move into a world where the trust is provided by a non-human mechanism, blockchain, then suddenly the cost of trust goes down dramatically because you don't have to do reconciliation anymore because you don't have to manage all the errors and manipulation of data that people are doing today. Um, 
so it's a, it's a very interesting concept, and I think we need we need to make sure that when we activate blockchain technologies into any kind of environment, uh, we have to remember that it's all about trust and and and, and not forget about that. You know, I, yesterday I was in a big session with a lot of in, industry players from um, from the life science uh, industry, some researchers, and some patients, and it was very uh, interesting to get the patient a view of this. And, and one of the patients said uh, to us, uh, she said, you know, you were born as a patient. You will most likely die as a patient. Uh, and you will be a patient many, many times during your life. And how do we bring something meaningful to you as a patient uh, using blockchain technologies? And I think at the end of the day, it's all about trusting the data and trusting the people who are taking care of you from the day you, you were born to the day you die. I think that's uh, the trust is center to everything we do in blockchain. Wow. And, and while you're talking, Joe, before you chime in here, I'm thinking uh, when we were little kids, if you, if you had a confrontation with your friends while playing around the block or playing, I don't know, any, any of the games we used to play on the street when I was young or cards or whatever, board games, a kid would say something and somebody would say, prove it, prove it, I dare you, prove it. Well, today, maybe that's where blockchain comes from because so many people said prove it. And we couldn't back in the day. It was just your word was your proof. That was it. Joe Miles, please join us. Very interesting discussion. Yeah, they, I think both speakers bring up some really great points. And it it, it highlights, I think, too, the, the multidimensional aspect of what blockchain really represents in the, in the sense of um, you have these big issues of providence and, and trust and authentication and so forth. And these are really, really important issues, but they're, they're done about multiple, multiple facets of the, of the process itself in the terms of, of one blockchain just simply can enable things that we've never been able to do before. Um, and I think in the digital world where um, the, uh, the layers of digital data that you have on yourself, on your, on your products and on your services that you're providing is, is a complicated um, uh, situation. And so you need something like that in order to really take advantage of all of this, um, all of this digitized information at some level. But I think we also see it in the sense of, you know, not only do we see that as having potential direct impacts on the patients and the outcomes and so forth, but also on the process itself, which I think is sometimes uh, overlooked in the sense that, uh, what blockchain presents is a very efficient way of of enabling an end-to-end process to eliminate a lot of the intermediaries that typically, you know, that may not add a lot of value to it or, or they're because of the lack of digitalization and uh, digital information. And so there's, you know, I, I think at this nascent state of the technology where it's still very, very early, we're already seeing opportunities to have tremendous uh, productivity advancements and, and overall process improvements, which are important, you know, I think as, as the speakers mentioned earlier in terms of driving down the cost, uh, improving the business case for it. So the investment will, will, uh, will improve and, you know, more will invest and as more invest and the, the, the unit price starts to drop and it, you know, becomes a, a bit of a snowball going downhill and so forth. So um, it's really, uh, it's fascinating to see where it's at currently and the potential is, uh, is, is, pretty amazing when you start to look uh, you know downstream decades from now so where it could go so absolutely can you can you see kids on the block if, if kids still hang out together joe saying prove it and somebody says okay i'll go and get the blockchain how do i know that how do i know that well how do i know that baseball card you, you sold me bob for 25 <laughs> cents how do i know it's real well i'll go i'll go check the I blockchain <laughs> 
that's one of the really the beauties of it. And I think Eric mentioned it earlier is that it will happen completely in the background, right? It will not be something that will have to be so upfront. It will be a somewhat of a seamless, um, pervasive uh, capability that's out there that will just effectively almost be lost as a, as a foundational element that supports a variety of transactions on those levels. So I think that's ultimately the, the greatest sign of adoption is when you don't even know the technology is there, but it's, it's yes. enforcing its driving value uh, in very unique ways. Very well yeah, put. What a, very, very, yeah, go ahead. Very, very similar mm-hmm. to what we do today when, when you ask your watch or your phone uh, to give you an, a piece of information, you're using a lot of different technologies, including the Internet itself, and you don't even know, you don't even realize, you don't ask the Internet, you just ask your phone and your watch. Yeah. That, that's true. I, I want to give Peter Ebert a chance to wrap this one up. Peter, we had some really good comments based on your excellent observations. Peter, anything to add? Yeah, I think uh, if you think about this world, and I need to bind it back now <laughs> to the Walt Disney quote, right? So there is sure. one world uh, part which says, really, uh, don't overestimate the hype. And then there is the other piece, which is more the dream part, that says, look at what can be done with this. And yes, it will take time. But if you think about it, uh, the, the more valuable your asset will be, the quicker it will be on a blockchain. And uh, then, of course, the question comes and could be a segue into another, another topic is, how do we make this work? Because right now, blockchains are very slow, typically, or are limited. And that's exactly what, what we need to solve and can solve right now. And another piece to the dream is actually real, can be done. We know that it can be done. And that's what, what makes me so excited about a blockchain and, and uh, the, the application in life sciences in particular. Thank you very much, Peter. And you gave me, uh, whether you knew it or not, a perfect segue to a note here. I'm looking at some statements from Eric Pacini at Deloitte for our next conversation thread here on Game Changers. And Eric says the number one challenge for blockchain is the ability to find talent to work on this emerging technology. We don't talk about that very much. So, Eric, tell us, for whom are we looking? Are they college grads? Are they data scientists who already have a lot of letters after their last name? Are they millennials in the in the higher age range already in their mid-30s who say, yeah, this looks pretty interesting. I think I'll study it online and get a degree in that. Who are they? Who's the talent that we're looking for? Yeah, I would say all of the above. <laughs> um, I think what's a, what's a really big challenge today in the industry is to find people who can articulate the value of the technology in a business world. Um, and, and if you apply that to life science, which is what we do today, you, you need someone who understands what blockchain is capable of, what are the limitations, what are the challenges, what are the opportunities from, the, from a technology point of view, but also someone who can understand what clinical trial is about what consent management, what uh, adverse effect management is about from a business point of view and bring all of that together. So to, to me, the, the number one challenge we have is to find architects, people who can architect from a technology and business point of view, the next generation of life science business platforms. That to me is the number one challenge. And, and usually it's people with a little bit of experience either in technology or in industry or in both um, but it, it, a lot of, uh, you know, where, where I'm very hopeful is that we have a lot of um, uh, universities across the world uh, bringing that expertise to their curriculum, and we have we are we are seeing more and more uh, uh, the younger generation coming out of college with uh, deep expertise 
on on this technology. So I'm very hopeful. It's just uh, as of right now, it's a, it's a it's a challenge to find the right the right people. Eric, will there be a degree or a major in blockchain technology in uh, universities that skew toward high tech classes and, and curricula? What what do you say? Well, this I'm not asking you for your prediction yeah, we, yet, but what do you say? It does exist already. So we, you have um, a few universities across the globe who have now a, a certificate degree in, in blockchain technologies. Um, and I think the number of, of degree uh, associated with blockchain is going gonna, is gonna to rise. So one, of the, one of the interesting challenges, though, is that technology is changing so fast that by the time you graduate after two years of studying, yeah. you have to... You have to learn again, right? So one one of the topics that we play with very often in our uh, workforce is you never graduate. You always keep learning about the new and the next version of this technology. And I think it's very relevant for blockchain. Fascinating. And I I don't know whether I was being facetious or just pushing you a little bit to say, yeah, right, are we going to see a college degree? I I had no idea. I'm thrilled to see it already exists. So we know that's a potential source of future talent. Joe Miles, love to talk to you about this talent for blockchain. What are you observing? Well, I'd, I would echo Eric's comments, I think, in a little different context, but basically along the same lines of, of um, I think, what we're seeing, the, one of the reasons why we're seeing such interest in uh, life sciences around blockchain is, is things like clinical trials, right? So we know that um, you know, we have to be more productive in getting these, some of these just phenomenal life-saving products to market more quickly. And how do we, how do we reduce the time from, uh, from compound to to approval and and how do we get this in the hands of the patients who need it to save lives all over? Um, it's it's expensive. It takes a lot of years. It takes you know over a decade or so in uh, many respects, um, and it's very very difficult to do. And so blockchain presents an opportunity to to streamline that process, to make it more transparent, to um, to automate the trust, to remove the intermediaries, and uh, to drive value to the overall uh, process uh, at some level. I think the, um, uh, but to do that, and I think this is where Eric, I would totally agree with Eric on this, is that you have to have an understanding of the process, right? So we have to look at what the current process is. There's a lot of regulatory, there's a lot of really sound business processes that are a part of that. You don't necessarily want to eliminate those processes. You want to enhance them to, to make them more efficient, to, to drive more value through those processes. While at the same time, you're ensuring safety, you're ensuring efficacy, you're ensuring um, the, the tenets of why we have clinical trials to, to save. Really, it's all about you know, safety to the patient, and, but also delivering on a, on a life-saving uh, a product of some sorts. And, and we've, I think the industry is viewing this as a very disruptive capability that could go directly to not only improving the efficiency of it, but improving the, the overall process of a clinical trial and making them better, faster, smarter, and, and ultimately um, developing a more uh, high-efficacy high products for you know, life-saving uh, disease states, um, these nasty disease states of cancer and, and other um, you know, diseases that are out there. Thank you, Joe. Peter Ebert, please join us. Thoughts? Well, if you think about talent, I, I couldn't agree more with, uh, with um, what Eric said and as Joe said. A, talent is very, very hard to get by on a technology side even. If you look at blockchain only from a, let's say, computer sciences um, angle, uh, that's already mm-hmm. an empty market. A market You can't really find anybody uh, that would... Uh, that you can hire, uh, or it's very hard to hire, uh, particularly in Silicon Valley. 
But then um, the multidimensional aspect, the business side of the house, the, the, the process understanding, that's why we at CryptoWork uh, partner with SAP and really uh, work, work together to, because we can know everything and, uh, and uh, bring in what we can uh, contribute, in this case, the scale, the scale aspect, mm-hmm. making it really affordable and scalable to an enterprise scale. And then we have to work together, really, to partner to um, address the, the key processes in life sciences and others um, as rapidly as possible. So my, my, uh, my way of looking at this is to bring the best talent together, but really looking at this as a multidisciplinary team. Very interesting yeah, approach. Bonnie, Bonnie, uh, yeah, go ahead, Eric. Just, just um, as we are talking, I think something just um, resonated with me. Yeah. Um, if you think about the technology, the technology is based on creating a consensus between mm-hmm. different technology uh, network nodes, right? So very technology-driven, um, and we need a consensus. And from a business point of view, um, being on blockchain on your own is like being on the Internet on your own. So you need to build a consortium. You need to build an ecosystem of market participants. And to do that, you need also to create consensus, and it's very hard. So I think at the end of the day, we need consensus builders, people who can build consensus from a technology and business point of view. Thank you, Eric. I was going to ask you to wrap that one up, and I have a sidebar here, gentlemen. You know I was going to look this up. There is a website called Trust Nodes, T-R-U-S-T-N-O-D-E-S, and they, in June of this year, they published an article called The Best Universities to Study Blockchain Technology. How about that? And they're talking about <laughs> team size, organization type, and here I'm just going to rattle off a couple names. I think you're going to be surprised because uh, I think it was Eric said there were a few universities. We'll get this. Cornell. Cambridge University, University College of London, MIT, Johns Hopkins University, St. Mary's University School of Law, and there was, and the University of Northampton, among other, University of Nicosia, Duke University, that's right here where I am in North Carolina. So it is making the top ranks of at least American college institutions uh, for study. So the best universities to study blockchain. Eric, thank you very much for that. Good topic. And Joe Miles, we have a few minutes to wrap this up. I'm going to let you bring this home before we go to our crystal ball predictions round. Although I think we've been covering a lot of predictive commentary here during the whole show because this is still very new. So, Joe, I'm going to tie three of your statements from your, your roundtable statements you showed told me before the show and have you just give a, an overview of these. Number one, you say blockchain can tie patients to their data rather than their identity. That's number one, very important. Number two, new treatments, and you mentioned this, new treatments and drug discovery to reach FDA approvals are faster because the sampling pool of data is much more diverse, focused, and accessible. And number three, using blockchain's capabilities, the provenance of drugs can help trace back to ensure authenticity, and I'm going to say, and safety. So, Joe, these are all very life sciences, deep-oriented uh, comments here. Can you put this in a, a big ball and, and put a bow on it for us, Joe? <laughs> I don't know about that, but I, I think what these three uh, just coincidentally seem to seem to highlight the I think the three yeah. some three of the elements of the conversations that we had earlier, the first around you know around the data and um, you know giving patients more accountability, more authority, more oversight of their own data and how they can manage that data and how they have to be better aware of their own data and they can make it accessible to the people who who need to have access to their data. I think that's a very, um, that is going to increase, 
become an increasingly more difficult concept to manage given the proliferation of digital data about all of us, right? Whether it be our genomic background or simply our prescriptions and our relationships with our physicians and other physicians and, and healthcare um, entities kind of across uh, our day-to-day lives. I think that's, you know, we've, we've talked about that. It'll continue to, to roll. Um, I think also, and, and obviously that the trust factor is built into that where they're automating the whole approach of trust relative to that data. The second part around really uh, drug discovery is just really improving the overall process. I think there is uh, a lot of interest from life science organizations um, to seeing blockchain as a way of uh, simplifying, improving productivity to improve the efficiency of things like a clinical trial, but also very specific elements of that clinical trial and patient recruitments and working with um, with investigator sites and, and ensuring that uh, experimental drugs are given to the right patients and using digital technologies to validate that and to improve that and to ensure that you have this immutable record that is available and can be completely referred to in an audit trail perspective. Again, just simplifying and enhancing the overall approach, ultimately reducing the cost of it as well. And, and, you know, hopefully what that will end up doing as we go through that is our capabilities now become another way of ensuring that we talk about the provenance of the drugs or the, the authenticity mm-hmm. of the drugs. Um, how do we know where those, the process of where the drug flowed from and through? Are we managing um, elements of that, of, that tr- of that logistics process, for example, if, if it's a, any of these products are exposed to heat or humidity um, that can have a significant impact on the, um, on the efficacy of the product? So can we include, for example, include temperature as a component of the supply chain view of that product to not only ensure that the serial number is valid, but the shipment, the manner in which it was shipped to the appropriate entity uh, ensured the integrity of the product being shipped within a, te- a target temperature range, uh, a hugely important issue for some of the new biological products that are out there. So, again, that's a very difficult thing to do without having an enabling technology. It could, it could be very costly. Uh, it typically is very costly and adds a lot of complexity to it. But if you have something that can provide that and ensure that integrity across the uh, the landscape, uh, really begins to change um, the nature of these discussions and the interactions and um, and really enhances the ability to deliver quality products um, to patients who need that uh, and, and quite literally saving lives. So it's, I think all of these are being touched on. All of these were really just at the nascent level, levels up, but the excitement and the interest is significant. Thank you, Joe. Very important. And we don't have time for Eric and Peter to chime in, but I will tell you, Joe, that uh, today's Thursday, Tuesday this week on our Digital Transformation of Your Supply Chain show, we talked about the burgeoning, unfortunately, black market for fake drugs, for illegitimate drugs, for uh, counterfeit drugs, however you want to call them. And the answer was that it is holes or openings or places to climb through in complex supply chains that are allowing this market to thrive and survive or survive and thrive. So very interesting. I know I I sent you a note and said, look, the other series is covering life sciences and counterfeit drugs. And you said, what? So here we are. We have a lot of cross topics here, but uh, it's now time for our crystal ball predictions round. I have saved exactly 60 seconds for each of you to share your predictions. What is going to happen next? Our topic is blockchain meets life sciences. Now what? Well, now it's time for now what? So Peter Ebert at CryptoWorks, 60 seconds. Look as far in the future could be tomorrow could be 2020 or i don't know 20 years from now peter ebert 60 seconds go i would say every valuable digital asset so valuable digital asset will be on the blockchain within the next three to five years and why am i saying this because 
Uh, we already have the technology in place. We just uh, uh, co-presented uh, um, uh, a counterfeit case with SAP actually showing that we can actually get 300,000 events, and that could include temperature um, uh, readings as well, uh, under a minute into a public blockchain, which addresses the scalability side of the house. I'm very, very positive that we can do much more uh, in the next couple of years. So the most digital valuable assets will be in the blockchain within the next three to five years. That is exciting. Thank you very much. Watch out for people trying to do fakes. No comment after that. <laughs> Eric Piscini, at, Eric Piss, what about the news? I don't know. I don't know if that would ever get to blockchain. That's, Joe, that's not in your topic. Eric Piscini at Deloitte, we'd love to have you. 60 seconds, what do you see in the crystal ball? Yeah, I think what I would say is blockchain would be as, uh, one of the major technologies that will enable a world where the patients and the individuals will have a control of their own health data where we can, add, as individuals, we can collect information, keep information about our own health, make some decisions ourselves or outsource those decisions to professionals. We can share information with a doctor for a day and then mm-hmm. make sure that these doctors don't have access to this information after the fact. Uh, we can enroll in clinical trial and the right one at the right time uh, mm-hmm. We can we can participate in in research uh, as well, uh, and and that data is going to be decentralized, and, and so because it's decentralized, it's going to be much harder to actually hack into a system and access all this data at once. And so for all of that, I think it's going to be a much better experience from a patient, from an individual point of view, to control their own health, but also for providers, insurance company and um, drug manufacturers should be able to be more efficient in the way they deliver services to those patients, to those individuals. Thank you very much. And Mr. Joe Miles, 60 seconds. It's all yours, but that's all we have. (laughs) I think in the short term, in the next two to four years, I think we're going to see the, um, the continued expansion of blockchain probably more more likely focusing on uh, process efficiencies. And as we get more and more comfortable with that, and that's going to accelerate the pace, I, I think in the, within the next uh, five to ten years, we're going to see blockchain enabling processes on cell phones almost in the same way that the GPS mm-hmm. now is so seamless and so ubiquitous to providing navigation. We all think about, how my, my goodness, how did I ever exist without GPS You know, five years ago or ten years ago before the, the cell phone? I think it'll be just so pervasive. We won't even know it's blockchain. It will just be there enforcing, enhancing, uh, and delivering um, content and integrity and trust to the users uh, in ways that it just had never been possible before. But we may not even know that it's around. It, it may just be, kind of go into the background as a, as a technology because it will be, become so pervasive. As it should. Thank you very much to the three of you. And I have a prediction, a quick one. Joe Miles and Michelle Shu for coming back in 2018 with a whole year worth of life sciences on Game Changers. That's And I'm, I'm so sure of it. I'm just, you know, blockchain, you can check that this is not fake news. Uh, so here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? We'll be healthy. Figure out where your data is. Embrace the blockchain because it will help you with everything in your life when it comes to a neighborhood near you or a doctor or a hospital new year. Go out and be a game 
game changer today, just like Peter Ebert at Crypto Work Corp., just like Eric Pacini at Deloitte Consulting, and certainly just like Joe Miles and Michelle Schuf at SAP. Shout out to Aaron, our engineer at the Business Channel team. That's our broadcast week. Be back next, oh, next Tuesday, yes, with more live radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game in Life Sciences, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.